Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. What's good, Internet? It is October 6th, 2017, and you are listening to Waypoint Radio, episode 102, 102, 102. That's all the different ways I could say 102. I mean, was, that's not true. Math is wild. You could say 102 by saying, like, 98 plus 4. That's equal to 102. There's an infinite number of ways to say 102. Uh, one way is not to say it is, uh, hi, I'm Austin Walker. Joining me today on Waypoint Radio is Patrick Klepek. Austin, where are you? What do you, do you want to? Do you need to explain to people what you're doing right now? I'm on a phone. I'm on a phone. I'm on a. F- All right. So so so. Also, Rob Zachney. Before you launch into this. Story. Also, Rob Zachney is here. Um, I asked Danica if she wanted to join us, and then she didn't. Wait, I'm gonna just check to make sure she didn't want to join us. I know we already started and we clapped. But I was like, hey, do you want to join us? And she was like, I thought you already recorded. And then I was like, we recorded Waypoint 101. Um, and then, and then, okay, good. She said you three should just do it. I'm glad I'm not just, I didn't just ignore her. Uh, so the other day, uh, I come home late from work. I'm like, ah, I'm going to take a big sip of coffee and check the internet. And there wasn't any. There was no internet. The internet was gone. <laughs> uh, it had gone away. I, I know a thing or two about how to get the internet back, so I unplugged everything and plugged it all back in and changed wires. Uh, and did a all savvy the man of the world. That's true. It's, that's <laughs> me. None of it worked. The the upstream and downstream like light on the modem kept blinking rapidly, meaning that there was just like no connection to the internet. It just wasn't nothing. So I check online, and, and it says, oh, Queen's uh, vandalism. There's a vandalism outage uh, in Queen's for my service, and so... Uh, I look into it, and it's like, okay, someone's going to come by. And it's not just me. Like, other people uh, in, in the neighborhood who have had internet problems. My gut is that there has, is not vandalism. It is construction. There have, they have been digging up the road all along here for a while. That's my gut. Is it like a wire got cut or some shit? In any case, there was supposed to be a man here yesterday between, like, 11 and 3, and there just wasn't. There just was not a man. Uh, and so then when I called Angry last night, they didn't – this is the second time this, this company has done this to us. Oh, we don't have any record of anyone requesting a person to come look. And they did this to us, like, the second that they took over. Oh, I'm trying not to throw any companies under the bus because because <laughs> of something that, like – I'm not sure. Mm. Have you, have so you tweeted we used, at a brand on Twitter to see if you can get some VIP I tweeted to be like, hey, I tweeted, I tweeted to be like, yo, is this happening still? And they were like, send us your info. And so I called them instead. Without, um, yeah, without naming names, uh, this yeah. is a company that's known for servicing uh, the New York metro the New York, area. Right. There used to be and one company, it and then it became a different. its name. Yes. Yeah, and it has taken on a different name because 
The other name was considered toxic and terrible, but this new name... <laughs> they switched names and then immediately forget. fucked us. Like, they immediately fucked us when they switched names. Like, they switched names and then signed us up for a phone and made it so that we couldn't have wired connections unless we paid an extra $50 a month. We were only what? allowed to use Wi-Fi. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Wait, it's unbelievable. Okay, oh, sorry. You could have one... You could, we were able to have one wired connection. You couldn't split the. You couldn't use a, a router to actually to actually have multiple wired connections. And I write about video games for a living. And my roommate is a uh, a game designer and a like a tabletop RPG game designer and also a, a technology journalist, like a, like a trade industry journalist. Uh, and we both need the internet for work, and we often need fast internet that needs to be wired into the wall. Ugh. Anyway, that so, that time we so were wait, like, "Hey, we need somebody so to come out and fix this." Doesn't give you Ethernet capability. Now they we pay more. We pay more. We pay more dollars now. And okay, I need to ask. I'm sorry, I don't want to pry, but like, what are they making you pay for this amazing 21st it's, century technology? It's like 80 bucks a month. It's 80 bucks a month for like what's supposed to be gigabit gigabit internet internet, and it's super is not gigabit in, internet. Um, it sucks. Yeah. It sucks. So back then they were like, "Oh, we're gonna send another technician to to." to do whatever we need to do on your wire on your box to like let us give you ethernet access and then we called back two days later when that person didn't show like we don't have any record of you requesting this like we yelled at you on the phone we were very upset about this bullshit with the ethernet you remember and then they finally sent somebody (laughs) out the next day and so the same shit is happening now we're like that no one came and now someone's finally supposed to come tomorrow so until then you have called me rob on skype to my phone which is a thing that I guess happens with Skype, but mostly I grew up using – I grew up, but like in the last decade, I'd used Skype just to talk to friends and just to chat other Skype friends, never to do a real phone call. Um, like when I wanted to do a real phone call, I just used Google Voice instead. Um, so this is novel. I'm at a desk. I have a cell phone to my, to my ear. It's hot. Uh, it's dying, which means I don't have the ability to use a headset because I have an iPhone 7, which means it needs to be plugged in where the where the uh, headset would go normally. Oh, my God. Uh, so I'm just on one elbow on my desk. It's like I'm an old-timey journalist. Ah, Watergate. Well, the future <laughs> is, is terrible, but so, I got to say, though, uh, it's really nostalgic having interac- interaction – uh, like this to, to sort of leverage these archaic technologies uh, like the telephone. And what's uh, wild you know, is speaking of archaic technologies, well, just real quick, I need to do one more real shout out, which is the way that this works is that I'm talking to you on a phone, but I'm still recording to my desktop into Audacity. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to put that file on this raw data USB PR uh, key that they gave me at E3 or pre E3 raw data, the VR game where they you shoot robots or whatever. And I'm going to take mm-hmm. this and then go to Starbucks and upload it there. Shout outs to raw data, a game that I don't like personally like that much, but like they gave me a 15 gig USB key. So that's <laughs> all the payola you need. Fuck. Speaking of, what were you saying, Rob? Archaic technologies and being forced to use communications media uh, that you never foresaw yourself returning to. Uh, So news came out today uh, that, uh, well, I guess the right way to put this is uh, early in the 21st century, the Verizon Corporation, uh, advanced (laughs) communications, multinational company, Uh uh, (laughs) uh, decided to uh, retire AOL Instant Messenger. Uh, 
Yeah, this is not called execution. It's not called execution. Uh, it was called retirement. Uh, yeah. There's no more AIM. They're getting rid of AIM in like um, two months. December, yeah. That's too soon. I gotta that sounds meant list. a lot to me, and then it super didn't. Uh, I it I feel some kind of way. Patrick and I had an experience. With, Patrick has not stopped having experiences <laughs> with AIM. Well, but no, I, so all all of my uh, uh, chat programs, uh, both whether it's the the iMessage on the Mac or uh, I think I use Adium on a. Uh, a PC, um, uh-huh. like you just punch in all your services, like right. AIM, uh, GChat, and whatever. I see. I don't know if ICQ. A- ICQ is probably supported on ADM. That is probably one of the only services. Oh, it definitely punch is. Punch in yeah. ICQ as well. But like, I actually don't know which people I'm going to lose when oh. AIM goes down because for probably the good part of a decade, it's all just been aggregated into one list. Like, it, right. the, the list in any of these programs isn't like, this person's on AIM, this person's on GChat. Uh, it's just their names and how they're listed. So at some point when AIM goes down, I'll just not have those people on my list anymore because although AIM as a service is something that the vast majority of people have moved off on off of to do GChat and things like that, um, for I have lots of people in which they... AIM is just, they. it's always just stuck around, and we just talk through that because we've just been on lists forever. Right. And so I, I got a message from someone today, a developer friend of mine, who was like, well, we're probably going to have to exchange Gchat or whatever because <laughs> this isn't going to work anymore. And I was like, oh, yeah, you're you're probably right. Uh, but yeah, I, I, man, I, the internet is, the rise of the internet for me is... Uh, inexorably tied to aim like that was my main communication tool as a yeah. young, awkward kid and that's like how i talked to girls the first time you know like in a talk to girls sort of way like that mm-hmm. I mean, that communication all happened passively over away messages and right, right right messages that right. you only felt brave enough to send when they were away and you knew they weren't going to see it uh, and that you could edit and that you could like not edit after you sent but like, you could hit backspace right. on and like try to like Work out. I mean, that's just like how it's a like lot of a voicemail without work. actually like yes. doing the ring, right? Or you could exactly. do the whole like send each other like subtextual messages via your away messages. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. oh man, is that is that song lyric about me? Right. I don't know. I hope yes, so. Yes, Katie. But what, it is what does about it mean? You. It's true. Right. Yeah. Listen, uh, Taking Back Sunday had a lot of a lot of feelings about Whoa. you know <laughs> Whoa. Uh, closeness and intimacy in America. Uh, <laughs> it's weird. It's a weird <laughs> thing Austin to be like. Which Austin tells on himself. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's it's weird to lose this thing that is not in my life at all anymore, except for that brief moment last year when I used it to talk to someone running an ARG, which was fun. Um, but like, it's not in my life at all. But it still does feel like it feels like a road is being closed back home. Do you know what I mean? It feels like um, you hear the old mall got shut down, and it's like. That doesn't bother. It shouldn't bother me. I don't go to that mall anymore. I'm barely in town, you know. Like, uh, and even when I am in town, like it's it's because I hit a wrong by you know took a wrong wrong turn. I opened up AIM by mistake. Uh, I opened up an old chat program and all my AIM people were there. Or like every now and then, because of the way things are integrated, like the way you're talking about Patrick, is I'll see an old group, like an old like oh, set yeah. of like my close friends group from aim on a chat program that's completely never used it to talk to those people on but like the header will show up uh and like 
that is the weirdest shit. And so, like, hearing it is definitely nostalgia-inducing, but also just, it's interesting to think about the things that we use now. Like, when will those disappear? If if they ever will. Things always seem so permanent, but not so much. Uh, there was... 20, 2037, no more Twitter. There's uh, been uh, these... But the thing is with Twitter, though, it'll be archived in a way, AIM, you had to self-archive, right? You know, like, right. I think even, right, if, right, even if Twitter as a service true. is retired or something replaces it or they go out of business yeah. or something like that, like, Twitter will be in the historical record in a way that right. uh, AIM um, will not because it was, you know, it was private as opposed to public. Right, um, right, there's right. been this, these, a variation of this tweet going around, um, and I'm going to uh, botch uh, the, 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 the phrasing of it, but it's, you know, essentially... Uh, Remember the way your heart used to skip a beat when you would hear the door open sound that would aim to play <laughs> when your crush came on, and then you would just sit and stare at it and not send them a message, and then you'd Listen. see them go away. I was like, oh my god, like that. I got, I started sweating. Like I started sweating, like like going back to that like moment in time. Like I specifically remember Patrick. the girl. That like I had those like heart palpitations about all the time in like late uh, middle school, early high school. It never happened. Liz, I know you're still out there. She actually just got. She actually <laughs> wow. Just got I'm very I'm very happy for. Her. Are you going to the wedding? We're not. We, we, we did stopped being close a long a long time ago. You should send her one where I am. Just not a not a trying <laughs> oh, to rekindle God. anything. Okay. Not okay. a rekindling. Six six months later, Patrick is divorced, <laughs> living out of like a friend's basement. He's moving. Uh, he's York never gonna have a relationship lives, with his daughter again. Yeah. No, oh, this yeah. is, no, this this ended with me eventually getting the courage to send the message over AIM and getting shot down. So right, that's actually you know, yes, okay. So this just happens uh, again. I, ha- I had yeah. the logical end game of how that works. Was like I'm finally gonna do it, and I was like, can we just be friends? I was like, yeah. So <laughs> yeah. Hold on, hold on, is... hold on. I've got to go change my profile quote. <laughs> oh my god. Well, turns so it, turns my... out it's go a Pinkerton ahead. day, not a Blue Album day. Oh my oh, god. Shit. <laughs> Um, so for me, like, uh, aim is it's, it's tied to those kinds of feelings, but also it was like, it was sort of, uh, cheers, right? Like all your friends also, Mm -hmm. you could just like bullshit all the time. Your parents had no idea that you were like talking to each other. Uh, you were just kind of allowed to be yourself, uh, on the internet in some ways. And it was this never ending, like rolling conversation. But the thing that I guess I remember most vividly, uh, about aim is actually sitting up like late, late into the night, like three, four in the morning, like every other night, uh, talking to uh, friends of mine. But one friend of mine in particular uh, just was way more into music than I was. And so I was sort of getting belated uh, musical education. And it was all via like him recommending stuff. And then I would plug it into Napster. Right, of oh, course. Hell yeah, and Napster. start downloading it. And so two things. Uh, one is that, do you remember, Napster had this feature where you could preview a track. And so as it was downloading, you could hear more of it. And oh, so, yeah. like, after it downloaded a little bit, you could hit play, and then it would let you hear what it had so far of the song. And so I just vividly remember, like, these nights, like basically how I ended up getting into Springsteen, actually, because uh, my parents weren't super into him uh, at the time, or they just didn't listen to him anymore. Uh, maybe they got tired of him. But like, so for me, like, this is a new discovery. And a friend of mine is like, you know, you heard Atlantic City. Right. And I was like, oh, no, like, I don't know what that is. Uh, and so I'm downloading it off Napster and like, 
we're talking in AM and he's sort of telling me about like, okay, there's Nebraska people and there's born to run people. Right. Uh, blah, blah, blah. He's giving me the whole like intro to Springsteen and all that. But I was like, okay, whatever. I know Dancing in the Dark, and I figure, how different can this be? <laughs> and then, like, so I hit, like, you know, play on Napster, and it's Atlantic City. And I've only got, like, the first minute of it. But do, the way that song opens, yeah. it is so stark and powerful and severe and hopeless and haunting. Uh, immediately, like, totally changed the tenor of that night. Like, it was, you know, I'm in the in the basement, just lit by the light of, of AIM uh, and Napster, and, like, this is my first time hearing it, and I'm, like, typing to my friend, like, holy shit, what is this? <laughs> like, where, like, where do I get more of it? And he's like, well... Yeah, it was it was it was great, and that's and that's what I remember. It was these weird, um, they're almost like stopgap technologies uh, in, in some ways. Like we were in the process uh, process of transitioning to digital everything, services available anywhere, anytime, uh, but we weren't there yet. But these were kind of pointing in that direction, right? Uh, and it, it was sort of a, a a glimpse of like how life was going to change. And at the time, it felt terribly exciting and romantic. Well, did, part of it did, is. Oh, go ahead. Uh, just part of the interesting thing about like that specific story is how much it's changed that if today the version of that story is that that person would have sent you a YouTube link and you would have watched it <laughs> and you may have liked it a lot Wouldn't have been you may the have same. liked it a lot and like maybe you add it to a playlist but it's not yours right like the thing about about file sharing programs like Napster were that like you downloaded it, you added it to your collection, or you didn't, you hit delete, you know, you got rid of it. And so you were always in this curative mode of like, what on the internet is mine? What am I taking in to, to define myself by? What is this? Or you were a hoarder, in which case you hit download and downloaded everything you could possibly find, and then like had a huge collection of music you never listened to that was mislabeled, that said it was System of a Down covering uh, Zelda <laughs> song, and it absolutely was not. Um <laughs> Or Fuck, whatever, that is right? Way, like, that is way too real, Austin. That that's a very specific thing. They yes, it's a it's a that's a specific song. Jesus, I think it was Zelda. That is too yeah. real. Uh, um, the thing I was gonna say before too, Patrick, is like the thing that you said of like being patient when someone comes on and like getting you know getting all off you know uh, uh, the butterflies in your stomach and and your heart palpitations is so much better than the other thing that happened on aim a lot especially when you were younger and more awkward which is your crush turns on and it comes on and you're like I gotta message this person immediately every time they come back from away yeah. I'm the fr- mm. I'm the first person who's gonna send oh, that message and God. like that's the worst. It's the worst. Oh. It's like one of the reasons why I actually did you either of you played the Emily is away games? No, no. I've, I've heard they're good though. Uh, I've only played the first one and I kind of hate it um, no. <laughs> because the main dude is the worst. He is like that dude. He is like the it's it's the the packaging is nostalgic and it hits you because if you've grown up with services like AOL Instant Messenger, like everything from the the user icons to the away messages to just like the the basic interface is all very familiar and very like like meaningful. But like, but it's are, very, are you playing? Very, are you playing? A, are you playing like a like a fourteen year old that doesn't know any better like us? No, you're you playing. playing a, like you're a, playing. A college student you're playing like or like okay. a, a, a sorry like a 17 or 18 year old who's about to go away to college basically okay um or then does go away to college it takes place over the course of like a year or something mm-hmm. um and it's like it the thing is patrick like yes there's a version of this game that is like wow being immature like i think that version of the game is uh uh sybil sibel 
the Nina Freeman game, which is like actually both of these people like don't really know what they want. And early technologies allow you to have a lot of or like th- these sorts of communications technologies allow you to have leeway in trying to pursue something, but maybe not really committing to it. And, you know, you only you always see things from a bunch of different people. You hear everybody's different side. Once you have instant messenger, like everyone will tell you what the drama is from their perspective, literally at the same time, like literally you'll get the message from you know, some some friend of yours and also their ex at the same time, and you'll get both mm-hmm. sides of the story. Um, whereas in Emily's Away, it's like a pretty straightforward, like, I've been friend-zoned. I want to not be friend-zoned. And then, like, the I, it just, it, it frames the, it frames things in such a way that, like, the the positive outcome is just, like, not a thing that, that I don't know. It was just, it's, it's a bummer that, that, like, the frame of that is so good but like the fundamental story felt like it it didn't learn lessons from having lived through those experiences um like my experiences of aim taught me to be a better person in terms of like being a friend to people who i was attracted to and and being okay with not dating them and like being more comfortable talking to all sorts of people and like raw having the experiences that you had about just like oh it's just cool to connect to people and learn about them and what they're into and having them open up new avenues for me but there's a way you could have gone through aim and through the same way that you could go through 4chan the same way you can go through reddit the same way you can go through all of these different places on, and technologies and the same way you can go through twitter for sure and like wind up kind of miserable and like like aggressive and hostile and there's a little bit of that in it's not all the way that far in, in emily is away but there like there's shades of it there and it's just like ah bummer um anyway we should send off aim we should all get on aim on on the what is it, the 21st i'm on aim i'm on aim right now don't come don't, at me just surf wax cuomo <sighs> what no it isn't is it is that really your aim name hell yeah that's my aim name surf wax cuomo hell yeah if someone IMs you, I can't be held accountable. You've put it out. You've doxed yourself twice. I have. I've doxed myself till December 15th. I think here's what, here's what's good is that I think when I uh, put out a tweet this morning about it, I think people thought my, my tweet was ironic. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, Patrick's, Patrick's ride or die, man, on AIM. <sighs> Fuck. Uh, oh, here, oh, here's a question. Did you guys uh, – so this wasn't built into AIM – uh early days you had to have like a third party client or a hack but you could like start archiving your messages um yeah oh yeah were you, were you archivers My yeah guy, i think i have some right here dude i i have a hard drive next to me that one time a couple of years ago i i opened it and i looked at those archives and i said i don't have the heart to delete them but i need yep. to put i need to bury them <laughs> yep yep it was like uh, looking I'm, at a, I'm, it's like looking at a live journal or something like that. I would see those conversations and be like, fuck, man. Like, I wasn't doing anything gross. You're just like, no, but you're just a man. kid. Just, you're just a uh, kid. I mean, this is yeah. the thing. It's like I've go, I've bounced from computer to computer in such a way that like I just reached over and grabbed this Surface that uh, the internet separately the the Wi-Fi card on this Surface that I've had for a few years has finally broken. Uh, I dropped this on the ground or on on my kitchen floor two years ago and it cracked the screen and I think just liquid has slowly been rolling through the body of it and killing it bit by bit uh, and finally it just the Wi-Fi on it's completely dead. But I but it has all of my stuff on it from like my previous laptop and the desktop I had before that and the laptop I had before that but hidden in folders inside of folders inside of folders you know what i mean like do you guys have like a folder somewhere that, that's just called old stuff because i oh, do hell yeah and, I, and mm. I think in there is where my old chat logs are and that's i don't even god i i don't even want to know 
I do want to know. I'm looking. I do, mm, take this computer oh away from me. No, the heightened emotions will be too much, though. It'll be like, You're like, right. how did you survive on this like high octane, like rich mixture uh, interaction all the time? It's like it's, how were you always living at a fevered pitch? It's weird that like I when know. I uh, the, the, when I look at photos, like obviously I, I have emotions stuff of like that, but I think part of the the fact that I grew up on the internet and aim and like that form of communication was like so ingrained like that's where i did a lot of like my awkward growing up was through that form of communication when i look through those conversations i get way more i like go back to that place that like uncomfortable version of yourself before you figured out yourself in a way when i look at that stuff far more than when like i look at an old yearbook photo or something from when i was even photos of when i was that age i don't go back to that like scared like sweaty version of myself in the same way that I do when I yeah. look at those old logs or something like that. I don't know. There's something about that that puts me in a place in a, in a different way. I just so found a I, message. I archived Go everything. Ahead. Good. I archived everything and uh, sort of accidentally on purpose lost it all. Uh, there was a desktop. accidentally the way you killed that fish this week? Motherfucker, this is a public podcast. <laughs> and this is a that look. Okay, so the fish. I don't think I killed that fish. I think the fish died. There've been a like there were other fish fatalities in that tank. I don't think it's on me. I think the fish got sick. The water got cloudy. Then uh-huh. there was a dead fish, and that's sad. But fish die sometimes. I didn't kill a fish. Fish, <laughs> like, like God killed that fish. Not like your fish, to be clear. No, this somebody whole else trip fish. from the first Imperial Stout has been just a disaster, <laughs> Rob. Uh, name, name one good thing that's happened. I mean, really, I shouldn't have rinsed out the Imperial Stout bottles in the tank. That probably <laughs> wasn't a great idea. No. Um, that was your first mistake. Yeah. Uh, so... Anyway, so I was staying with a, I was staying with friends toward the end of college, and I had this uh, slowly dying desktop PC, and it had like the archives of everything, uh, fully documented, like every nightmarish thing. But I had recently, like, I was definitely in a different phase in my life. Like, I just had like a series of like pretty significant personal changes, and I just thought about taking that desktop with me, and mm. I just didn't. I just didn't. Like it was, it was kind of half broken. It needs some maintenance anyway. But like the main thing was, I was like, I don't think I want to bring with what's on that hard drive with me around anymore. Like I think I'm done with it. And sometimes I regret it, but for the most part, I am kind of glad that like you know I burned all the journals. That's the right thing to have done. I'm proud of you, past you for having done that. I'm looking at conversations from 2005. I'm going to close this computer. I'm going to close it. <laughs> Here's one in which I'm complaining. This is actually, I've mentioned this before that Janine Hawkins and I go back, uh, a Waypoint freelancer, uh, industry freelancer at this point. She just reviewed, um, uh, she's in the process of reviewing Divinity Original Sin for Polygon. She's done a lot of Polygon stuff. Uh, we've been friends for a long, long time. The same way, Patrick, that like you had old IRC friends who are still in the industry. Uh, Brad Shoemaker. Brad Shoemaker, exactly. Known him since, known him since I was like 12. I found a, a, a message of me complaining to Janine that my girlfriend at the time was upset that I was going to a Zen monastery for a week to learn how to how to 
to just be at a Zen monastery, but also to learn how to shoot Japanese style archery, uh, which was a dope trip. Uh, and the thing that my girlfriend at the time told me was, "Don't change," which is really <laughs> funny. Uh, and it's really wild. It's like look back to two thousand five, and time is weird. Time is weird. God, time is weird. Yeah. Ugh. Uh, is there anything else big happening in the world besides <laughs> besides AIM going away, or is everything nope, just kind of normal nothing and at all. peaceful? Uh, so Austin, nothing do you want to open up? Do you even want to start that? Mm. You know, oh. hey, we, you know, you made me get into what happened to that beta fish. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah. we're gonna get into all the other stuff. All well, okay. We talk about how the White House Chief of Staff's phone was hacked. Is that what we want to talk about, or do we want to talk about how <laughs> the decertification the... of the Iran deal? What do we want? Where, is that what we, we want to talk what about? Should we what should we pick? I really got to know. Are we going to talk about how this whole thing around bump stocks feels like it's been like dreamed up so that the uh, the NRA can give us one concession that doesn't really you know, you matter that much? You can just 3D print that shit anyway, so what the fuck you does just it matter print if you it. It's 2017, motherfucker. I'll go to Kinko's. Fuck. Thoughts, prayers, and empty platitudes. Fuck. <sighs> can we talk about like why Gamergate is, is hopping right now <laughs> again? Yeah, like yeah, negative hopping, not that. not positive hopping. Not I'm not saying no. like it's like a good club. It's not like it's the place to be. The kids are bopping down at Gamergate. <laughs> me, come on, everybody, <laughs> borrow Dad's T Bird and drive on down to the the old Gamergate, where uh, you know the kids are be dancing all night long and then holding a torch rally. Yep. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, so it's been a weird week and, and for a lot of reasons. I think the one that's been on our minds lately uh, has been this story that came out of BuzzFeed that we can't really talk about some aspects of it because stuff is still ongoing. Um, Patrick, do you want to give like the very broad summary and then how it connects to Gamergate so we can focus on the stuff that's like less ongoing in our in our neck of the woods? Yeah, so there's a less really ongoing, excellent... but you know what I mean. Right. Yeah, yeah. There's a really excellent... Uh... Definition of long form. This is like is going to take you a solid 20, 30 minutes to, to get through, but it's it's worth um, your whole time. It, it seems uh, essentially charts um, sort of uh, the origins of, of Breitbart, of, of specifically of uh, Milo Yiannopoulos, um, the racist uh, piece of shit, I think is like the technical <laughs> yep. definition. Mm-hmm. Uh, pe- people like to call him a provocateur, but that's like a nice way of saying like I fuck asshole, that shit. Yep. bad person. Um, and essentially how he was propped up by Steve Bannon, you know, a former, uh, formerly of the White House, uh, now back to being, uh, I don't know if it's editor-in-chief or editor or CEO of Breitbart. Um, it seems to be based on a cache of emails that were uh, forwarded. I mean, there's other reporting around it, but uh, largely yes. the, the, the foundational evidence is based on a bunch of, uh, of emails that uh, Milo uh, sent, received um, over the course of a number of years and just does like the most thorough uh Hit, like history. I mean, it's about as close as you can get to an oral history. It's fu- it, but it's using emails as a way of uh, charting and kind of pulling back the veil of you know places like Breitbart that claim to you know be standing up for the common man and and you know the uh, uh, the ignored and like eh, pulling that back and and making it obvious that this was all about like drumming up and exploiting. And uh, uh, spreading white white supremacy and racist ideas and all and all sort of the things that um, they would try and wishwash into gray areas and like this makes right. it uh, very clear um, what the intentions were, what the language was, um, what they were trying to do, and has firsthand evidence of um, the people, the principal. It's not an analysis because normally 
what you get with these stories is someone laying out, here's what these places are doing and how they're doing right. it. In in this, you have firsthand evidence of the people saying, this is what we're doing and this is why we're doing it. Um, and it just, you know, it, it involves Gamergate because, uh, you know, prior to uh, Gamergate, Milo Yiannopoulos, uh, for one, blamed video games as, like, causes of violence and, like, shat on video games. And he his status rose on uh, Gamergate as being sort of a voice and a sort of poster child for, um, you know, the, the the folks that were aggrieved as part of Gamergate um, and sort of just charts that whole history. And the reason it's uh, back in the news specifically is because what the story does is uh, sort of call out specific names of people right. in the tech press, um, largely in the tech press, um, who were essentially buddy buddy with Milo, and to go further than just being buddy buddy, were essentially sending uh, nuggets of information, whether they were accurate or not, is is completely b- besides the point. Um, about folks like Zoe Quinn, about folks like uh, Anita Sarkeesian, and mm-hmm. uh, doing it to fuel hit pieces that would then appear on places uh, like Breitbart. And this yeah. is where we we should say there is a vice connection to this that there a is. lot of people are going to be thinking about. And the thing I, we have to say up front here is we cannot talk about that right now. Like there are are obviously yeah. strong feelings and reactions to this, but like this is like just professionally, legally, this is not something we can address at this moment. Uh, While things are still in progress, you know, there there yeah. there was a vice statement about the employee whose name came up, uh, who's a senior reporter at Broadly, uh, and he, uh, you know, some things that he sent or, or that were, you know, in that piece. Um, and their vice's response is that, you know, there's an investigation ongoing and that their reviews are going to happen. Uh, all of that, as far as I know, is, is completely legit uh, and it is being taken seriously. Um, and, you know, it, it isn't it's is one of those things that I'd love to talk about down the road once that is fully taken care of or taken, you know, to its to its conclusion. Uh, I, we are pretty insistent on transparency here. So we just wanted to say that pretty much up front here. But but I do want to like leap from that to the larger conversation around like the nightmare that is <laughs> that, you know, at the at the time. The thing that happened with Gamergate was that it brought to the forefront for a lot of people things that were already true about uh, the internet and being on the internet for people of color, for women, for trans folk, um, for just you know non-binary people, for people who are not from America, for you know all of these these groups of people, all these these marginalized identities um, that uh, they'd been experiencing in small in a smaller way or in personal ways, um, in in less organized ways often, but not always less organized ways for years, and Gamergate brought that. Uh, up to the top and up to the surface for for a lot of people to see and and also did help corral certain forces together uh, in a way that would um, catalyze them and give them uh, additional momentum and give them direction and figures like Milo actively took a role uh, in directing those people um, mm-hmm. along with people you know uh, th- throughout the YouTube community along with people on sites like 4chan who acted as directors as you know there, there's the the classic gamergate canard of like there is no leader of gamergate but also they'll just do whatever the fucking the strip the op of that day is so you know there there are different ways to have leaders um and the the thing that that 
is the most frustrating about this, the thing that's most the most upsetting about about the allegations throughout this piece, are that it was often the case that the those people who were in positions of power in Gamergate, people who are in positions of power uh, at sites like Breitbart, were directly working with the sorts of people who you thought you could trust if you were a target of Gamergate, if you were a target of harassment and doxing, and and if you had been, if your life had been threatened, if you'd been sent, you know, th- threats of, of physical and sexual assault. Like, there are people here who were supposed to be the good ones, right? Who are people who are supposed to be uh, allies and who very, very, very much were not, um, which, uh, you know, confirms a lot of the frustrating fears that you have as a marginalized person which is that like even here i'm not safe even here i'm not convinced that the people around me who say they're acting in my best interests what if one of them isn't uh how do i let someone in um and then the second i the the big irony here is that a huge part of early gamergate tactics were like the notion that there was some sort of games journalist conspiracy where people were feeding each other secret information. Uh, and there was, it's just not the thing you think it was. I was right. <laughs> the game. Yes. You were game target- journal yes, absolutely. I was on right. the list. But, but now what, what the, the reveal is like, Oh, that was projection because yes, Milo was the one who was receiving information from journalists, right? Like the people who were, were publishing these stories at Breitbart were the people who were being fed secret information, private information, or, or uh, information that would lead to the harassment of individuals. Um, and it's just like, fuck man. Like I, it's so uh, destabilizing uh, and important that, that that information got out there. Um, where do we think now, though? Like, because the, the the big question that I've seen going back and forth is is the same one that we've been kicking back and forth since the rise of Trump, which is like, how easy is it to pin the rise of Trump, the rise of the alt right, events like Charlottesville, to Gamergate? Well, I mean, it's uh, in the same way that you know those sympathetic to Nazi ideology existed prior to what we've seen in the last. 12 months where, you know, folks are walking around proudly, you know, wearing the emblems of of Nazism. Like, people were sympathetic to Nazi ideology long before they were in the numbers out on the streets. And that's, Trump has made feel comfortable visualizing, being, being forward, right? I mean, I think that's what part of what Gamergate exposed to a lot of people um, was the forwardness for someone to to say awful things, to say... Uh, monstrous things to participate in monstrous actions knowing that there's no real consequence and that's also what's happened in the last since the the you know trump came down as you know gold staircase was giving license for people to do things in public that they had done in private and that speaks i think the the slowness over a course of more than two years for media figures and and other people to stop taking Trump as a joke and not treating him as someone who could have won the presidency. Um, right. Um, in the same way that uh, during uh, Gamergate, like lots of media outlets, um, including those I was a part of, didn't necessarily get on top of and speak forcefully enough about what was happening at the time. Yeah. Um, both the election of Trump and the existence of Gamergate were moments in which the veil dropped for a lot of people and they were not I think prepared. that's a good they were not prepared for what you do 
once you've witnessed that. Um, and yeah, I think that that analogy is really strong. The notion of it being about a veil dropping, uh, though at the same time, I, I, it's you know partially because it's about like this thing was already there. The thing that I, I totally. worry about in this moment is that we are convincing ourselves of uh, to care about one veil and, and missing another, or that the the veil is smaller than than we think it is, or or you rather we think that the veil is bigger than than it is, which is to say, mm-hmm. you know, the bulk of Trump's voting base they're not alt-right people. They're not people who no. visit, who, who even visit Breitbart. It's like the same block of people who voted for Mitt Romney voted for Trump. And then also this new group of new voters, young voters, you know, uh, white working class voters, et cetera, that, that like, the, again, actually the white, white working class voters don't line up. Like, again, if you look back at, at past Republican you, elections, you, many you, of those people, people also voted, voted for, for... Yes. Oh, go ahead. If you flip go, go ahead. voted go for Obama, Obama twice... Then, right. then Clinton wins, right? So it's like there's right. a ti- there's like yeah. a tiny yes. margin that has. It to is flip. not. Um, this is not like there are. There were secretly a million more people who were who were going to fucking, uh, you know, R slash Kotaku in action, <laughs> who are now suddenly. <laughs> it was not. So that was not the the turning ground. But it but it is an important thing to think about in terms of what public discourse is like and what is acceptable because there is a knock on effect from that stuff. Uh, and and that knock on effect is very real and very material. There's, Rob, are you? So, yeah. uh, Maddie Myers uh, from Kotaku was talking earlier about how uh, people were talking about how Gamergate was the moment like that we we could have like averted something. And her argument uh, on on Twitter was that like by that point it was already too late. Uh, and right. I have a I have a great deal of sympathy for that argument because like I suspect it's I suspect it's correct. Like people who are radicalized during Gamergate just needed like they just needed to take that final step but they've already been lost i think back a lot of times to uh, dick wolves uh, actually right sure which was easy to miss the significance of it because the controversy seemed so trivial right it was a weak webcomic joke uh that hurt some people and then the then the apology of it was badly fumbled uh by there, there was no apology uh, no. it was kind of doubling down uh from from penny arcade but the the thing that really stuck struck me as that was happening was this idea that anybody would have the temerity to both be hurt and then ask for an apology was offensive and unbearable uh to a lot of people in what was then like the mainstream of the gaming community including some of its leadership uh right. in the form of uh, the, the the gang at penny arcade and this was 4 years before gamergate but it went in many of the same places: personal harassment, yep. uh, doxing, uh, making it was unsafe really public ug- uh, events and, and conventions uh, for for people who uh, otherwise would have used them as, as you know safe spaces to to explore their hobbies. Like, yeah, a lot of those. A lot there's a lot of overlap there, and, and of course it goes back further, right? Like as always, yeah. there is history is is a collect is a is twine tied again and again and again forever, and like it is so easy to look back at all those other moments where we could have interceded to to maybe divert things though i still don't think that that lifts the we need to make sure that when we say that when we say we should have done something sooner what we're not saying is so it's okay that we didn't do something now or it's okay that we didn't do something in the no, most but, recent instance and and this is this is the other thing though i think one reason why it feels like now 
everything is political, that there's no escaping the culture wars, that they, they permeate everything is because to an extent, we no longer have the luxury of pretending that these things do not carry wider significance. It's not a tempest in a teapot. People's beliefs are being shaped and changed mm-hmm. uh, by things that will seem small or trivial or just inexplicable to people outside of community, but it's no less real. And so that's kind of why, you know, increasingly you do, and this is sort of where it ties into those people who are sort of living double lives, uh, you know, in respectable mainstream media, and then also sort of trying to sick Milo on people they didn't like. Uh, It's that you have to, you know, you have to kind of look at these small decisions, these small choices, these, these small incidents, and what, what picture are they painting of the people involved? What are they picturing? What picture are they painting of the communities involved? Because it's not nothing. It's not trivial. Like this is where people's, you know, what I mean, this isn't a big public. This is where people think they can get away with stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they don't know that they they can assume people are not watching. This is where you see their true character in a lot of ways revealed. And so that's kind of when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com wide like you know 2017 (laughs) the rest of our lives is going to be 2016 like it's it's always going to be heightened it's always going to be looking at everything through these filters of you know does this betray bigotry uh political intent we don't have because we can't pretend it doesn't anymore yeah i i just briefly want to just like claim the floor to say like how fucking frustrating it is to have and like I'm not putting either of you on blast specifically, uh, but like I know a lot of our listeners were there in in 2014 and were there during Dick Wolves and were there in the age of terrible 90s ads <laughs> that were sexist and racist and and were there their whole lives and have spoken up and have turned to their friends who are you know white dudes or people who have a little extra money or people who have platforms of their own and who have said. Like, hey, this is serious. Hey, I don't feel safe. Hey, this fucking sucks. Like, this feels I, – I don't – I'm being made to feel like less of a person. Uh, when I bring up my fears and my complaints, I'm being told I'm being irrational. I am being told that what's happening here is a tempest in a teapot or it's inside baseball or it isn't a large enough story or it isn't uh, relevant to our readership. Or it isn't, uh, you know, this isn't a, a this isn't a trend. This is a this is a, a one off. Um, this is this is an outlier. This is a fluke. Um, that the things are not as bad as as you're saying that they are. And it's like, I don't know. It was like one of the most frustrating things to go through that shit and see people putting in the work who were marginalized, who were targeted, who were harassed, who did have friends in those places and then to see their friends hands tied often by someone in in management right like by you know people at an outlet who was like oh yeah we want to write this thing but like the lawyers say we shouldn't 
um, to see, uh, and, and then on the other side, to see people who they thought they could trust say, you two deserve each other. Uh, to say that these two sides are equal or are, are in fact, uh, uh, in line in some way or, or, or some dark reflection of each other. And it is wild to me that we are here now. And this isn't like, I'm trying not, this is not an I told you so. This is all like, let me speak for me and my friends in 2014 when we were fucking coming out of our heads. Um, because it sucked, man. It fucking sucked. Like, between Gamergate and between, like, the the deaths of Eric Garner and Mike Brown, between the, like, the summer of Black Lives Matter and, like, the, the feeling that it was being made clear to marginalized people that the, their place in society, which had been, you know, hard fought for, that there was any wiggle room at all, that, like, even though it meant maybe not being... Uh, uh, you know, fully equal uh, under under in society, you were maybe equal under law after years and years and years of trying to have that come under threat and to have those feelings be dismissed so thoroughly and so formulaic, so formulaically was just like devastating. And so, ugh, just I wanted to just get that out there because it is it is a feeling I know that lots of people share and that. Um, I hope that this time that like there's another flashpoint that we actually keep working on it and like look for material solutions and not just, you know, uh, platitudes because that is, it's what our, it's what our place is. Like I know internally for us, it means that you, you know, us three, that Danielle, that Danica, that Joel, that my, that our team needs to be really aware uh, and really thoughtful in everything we do. Uh, It means we have to be critical. It means we have to be reflective. It means that when we bring on freelancers, we have to be, you know, we have to be sure of who they are. And, and it means that we need to make sure that we're lifting up people's voices when we can. You know, like it, it is it is a, a reminder. This whole thing has been a reminder of the responsibility of what this platform that that my, you you all and my, our whole team and I have. Uh, and I, I hope we continue to do pretty good by it. I know that we've made missteps here or there, but I, I think by and large, I'm incredibly proud of what we've done. And I want to figure out how to keep doing good shit. So... Apologies for the weird, like, rant uh, that swelled up in me out of nowhere, but but here we are. <laughs> well, and, you know, uh, there was a, a tweet I put out yesterday when uh, all of this happened, and I'll just read the tweet. It said, every day is clear Gamergate was ground zero for our current hellscape. Too many of us failed to do the right thing. We were cowards. And one of the things I was trying to get at in that was not that any so, some statement or any tweet or blog could have could have killed right. gamergate like again that because that if that, only that 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 is yeah if there if there was mm, i was going to reference our uh <laughs> our, our, our other podcast but i'm not sure other people listen to that uh right if there was some some secret weapon that could have done like that didn't exist and my my tweet was not to imply that oh if only everyone had just spoken up then it wouldn't have existed that that implies that Gamergate came out of nowhere, was a right. was a one-off, and wasn't part of a systemic uh, targeting, harassment, abuse of uh, groups of marginalized people, uh, outliers in um, in society for for a very long time. What what I meant by that was that the responsibility of platform holders, the people with voices, yeah. especially if you are participants in systemic structures that have disallowed those people, whether by accident or on purpose, from having a voice and participation in that is that it is incumbent on you in some way to do the platitudes, which is to say, like, we have your back. Like, right. we we are there for you. Like, you are part of us. Those people are not part of this. And like, that 
that is important, even if it doesn't destroy the thing. The point is not destroying. The point is like showing like that you care, showing that like you should be, say, picking the side that you should. And so that was what I meant was the equivocating, the right. uh, should we cover this? Like, what if what if we get doxxed if, if we do this uh, <laughs> sort of conversations yeah. that happened um, were immensely frustrating. And they happened at a lot of media outlets. I saw some conversations um, that were happening today in which uh, uh, I don't want to name names, just be, not because they said it publicly, but I just don't want to yeah, yeah. raise the chance of people being targeted. Was that for a very popular media outlet, um, they chose to not put out a blanket sort of a condemnation of GameRate because of the women on their staff. Right. Their fear was, and the women were complicit in this. They they agreed with the decision. If if we if we weigh in in on this, the people who get targeted are us. And so right. they thought that well, like a lot of people, maybe this will just blow over and we can move past. Instead, like they ended up getting shit from people for not saying like this is wrong and you should call it what it is and be clear about it that your outlet is recognizing as a platform that it's wrong. And those women ended up getting shit on and doxxed and fucked with um, and harassed anyway, anyway because yeah. they just happened to be. And that's the thing. Like It's like, like make the statement, make the condemnation because those those are important and realize the shitty stuff's right. going to happen anyway. Uh, this, this is, is especially we... true at, at, at places with all male sites that right. uh, <sighs> pretended house things were somehow worse for you. And it's like fucking grow up. Like, put yeah. on your big boy pants and, yeah. like, yeah, so. I, that story that was going around today about the, the outlet where they, they avoided saying something in an attempt to protect uh, the the people on staff who, who would have been targets and then those people were targeted anyway. This reminds me of a thing that we, we you know, for people who don't know, we also do Waypoint 101, which is a show that's kind of a deep dive into a specific game, kind of like a book club. And we just finished recording a two-hour episode about Wolfenstein, The New Orders. Which is why we don't chapters. have Danielle here uh, for this uh, conversation. Yeah. We burned through because we yeah, burned the, through Danielle's time. Yes, Danielle had to go through go to a, a family thing, and and so we we burned through all of our Danielle time today on the uh, the Wolfenstein cast where where she was fantastic, and you should listen to that because it's very good. Um, but during it, one of the things I brought up was the one of the things that Wolfenstein seems to get right is that you know at least in the first six chapters that I've played is that uh, Nazi ideology exists and and is a is a real thing and and was you know had a, a whole bunch of of propaganda and literature. And, and was filled with ways of, of trying to find a scientific alibi and of, of you know, bullshit, you know, pseudoscience and, and you know, bad culture, you know, like distorted history and racist and anti-Semitic history and, and etc. But also at the, when it came down to it, it was fundamentally about power and about exerting power over others uh, that that all of those rules would go away. Uh, in terms of like who they wouldn't wouldn't target, in terms of who did and didn't count as Jewish, uh, if someone in power wanted it to be different, um, those rules were not law. Those rules were public guidance that then Nazis would use uh, to hurt people um, and then ignore when it didn't serve their interests, or or you know would would invent new rules to hurt people when necessary. Uh, and and seeing those sorts of tactics where it was like okay we'll try to protect our people because by by making sure not to weigh in like weighing in wasn't the thing that was getting them targeted you know like there wasn't a good set of behavior that's going to keep you from being targeted by people like that the second that they smell blood the second that, that someone like milo thinks i can get you know a, a bigger public profile if i attack x 
he'll make that leap. And that's what he did with gaming to begin with. As you talked about earlier, Patrick, was like he went from someone who criticized games and said that they were causing violence to someone who was, quote unquote, defending free speech uh, with them. And and it was anti-censorship because he he recognized that that would give him a boost and and then like, you know, moved away from it the second he felt like he'd gotten he'd squeezed out all the juice. Um, And like we just, just it is. It's a, it's a vulture. It's vulture behavior. It's the fucking grossest, emptiest shit because because there are other people who do buy the ideology too, right? Like they are people like Milo are vultures, and then the people who get convinced to live on who live on websites where they just like internalize all that shit go out to fight that that fucking fight on the internet that that you know according to these rules that are built on nothing but sand, uh, and it's just like man. Ugh, like it's so hard to, to figure out a strategy for combating it outside of taking care of people and giving them a place for, for their voices. Well, and the other thing I would say is deciding who to listen to in good faith. Like the other thing yeah. that emerges from those emails is that these were people who absolutely knew the blind spots that the way objectivity is often interpreted by journalists mm-hmm. uh, creates for them in their worldview. The, right. These were people who, like, I mean, there's emails where Milo is specifically being told, like, look, man, don't make jokes about the Jews. Don't make jokes about gas chambers. Like, he had to be told. Like, hey, that's not a good idea. And so the the conduct you saw from him and his followers, uh, you know, during during the events of Gamergate and, and subsequently, that was the best they could manage. Like, that was that was them putting on their, their best possible public face. And one of the things that gave this oxygen was there were so many outlets and so many, like, and especially in the mainstream when they were talking about, like, why are gamers up in arms? Yeah. There were so many people who were looking at this and saying, well, it's, you know, the classic got to hear both sides. Well, yep. what are what are these folks' grievances? And those grievances are presented as if they are true, as if what people are saying about their motivations and intentions is inherently true and we must take that as face value, even though there's a lot to suggest, hey, these people might be uh, white supremacists, Nazis, uh, you know, m- m- like bl- like virulent misogynists. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of evidence to like say what these people are telling you is probably not true. They have every reason to lie about their evidence, lie about their motivations, lie about their intentions. And yet time and again, it was treated as well. You know what are they really? What are they really saying here? What are they really yeah. trying to tell us about gaming culture? And because. <sighs> Journalists love to self-reflect and self-critique and often think like, man, it does sometimes feel like a bubble here. Maybe we're not being fair enough to, uh, you know, the reactionary mindset. Uh, time and time again, we let these we, we let people like this uh, through the cracks and in, into the debate. We let them into the public square to present their to present their lies uh, and then treat them at face value when their only intent is to deceive and get a broader platform. Yeah, it's funny. Last night I was like, last night at like four a.m. or whatever, when I wasn't sleeping, uh, I noticed uh, that there was a an, uh, an editorial went up over on the Guardian uh, from from John Harris, and and it was if journalists take sides, who will speak truth to power? The idea that those <laughs> who seek to hold the mighty to account should be activists is a very dangerous one. And and you know it, this is about British politics and and political reporting in, in England's The Guardian is a is a a really solid British newspaper. Um, and uh, but but that but that op-ed or that that column rather was 
this just like so many young people grow up wanting to be polemicists instead of being journalists now and you know in the old days the way that you took down someone who was corrupt was by questioning them very carefully and the thing that's bugging me out is the notion that we don't we're not able to do both or that we don't that, that there's no room for outlets that do both like we've been pretty upfront about what waypoints politics are and about where we stand on certain spectrums um we also don't write hit pieces. We also do interviews about things that are really tough. Um, we do our best to, to, you know, to confront people who say things that we disagree with and, and force them to explain it. Um, and, and there's also just a spectrum of outlet in the world, right? Like, we don't need to be like the Guardian needs to be one thing, but it doesn't need to be the same thing that every other British newspaper is. Uh, all of those different newspapers can be different things. And we have to take a pluralistic uh, attempt at at figuring out what uh, how to confront these things. Otherwise, we're just wasting our time. Yeah, and I think this often that that sort of pluralism often gets interpreted uh, in some places as oh, what we need is ideological uh, pluralism, which right. has some value, but probably not nearly as much value as uh, giving like as in diversifying the uh, the people who are appearing on your platform. Right. Like getting outside, uh, getting to other communities, both in terms of, you know, you know, minorities, uh, but also like socioeconomic status, educational background, like talk to people who are not like the, you know, that like do not just endlessly replicate like people of identical social Hollywood background find and a education source. Like, I know you want to go to that one dude who always is willing to give a quote. Find a different source. This is I'm talking to journalists right now. It's so easy. It's so easy to fall into the trap of like, yeah, like uh, this person's always available. It's always able to to give quote. Like they're an expert in this thing. Make sure that in doing that, you're not uh, missing another perspective that's important. Um, and do that as readers too. Uh, is like make sure that just by going to the same outlets, you're not missing something that is like b pretty obvious on second thought in terms of like whose position is there like i this was like um god i don't remember what this was this was recently uh it was like in the responses to something um about about a, a recent game probably shadow of shadow of war which came out and still has weird orc enslavement in it like pretty much as a key mechanic without any dressing it up in any way but someone was like but everyone blah 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 and it was one of those moments of like who is everyone like who i really gotta know who you mean by everyone <laughs> because it's pretty clear you don't mean like people who look like me or people who who you know just anybody who doesn't look like you and and like it's always try to be aware of that stuff as a reader and, and find sources and and uh and find reporting that that blows that up a little bit and but but also don't be afraid to find reporting that is interested in diving into the aspects of stuff that that you are like i I know that for a lot of people, Waypoint has stood out because we're willing to talk about labor pretty directly, um, that we are able to say like, hey, here is what we think about the voice actor strike. And also, we're not like just repeating the words that were given to us by the by the the quote unquote, the video game companies in that ongoing or in that dispute, where they were talking about quote unquote, residuals We're actually like, well, they're actually just bonuses. They're not like Hollywood residuals. They're different things. I know that like, that's one of those things that's like, it helps set us apart. Um, that said, like, I also know that sometimes we just miss on that, right? Like we did a couple of stories about uh, 
Life is Strange without talking about the labor angle, without talking about the voice actor strike, which is a strike that we had covered substantially all year last year, the end of the year last year. Um, and so that was like one of those moments of like, even the places that do have it have like who do want to cover the stuff that you're interested in sometimes fuck up or sometimes miss something. Uh, and so like, don't be afraid to, to hold the uh, you know, publications you care about accountable and, and let them know what you, what you want to see from them, because that helps a lot. Like, I think that the people who responded to outlets back during Gamergate and said like, come on, like, are you kidding me? Like, I love this place. This is the place I feel safe. I need to know if I'm, if I'm welcome here or if, right. if, if those people are welcome here, like, I would rather there be a world in which I get a hundred messages that say, like, here's how you could do better than one in which those people just left because they didn't feel safe here anymore, you know? Well, and that that Life is Strange thing was that went by all of us. And then someone yep. pointed it out on Twitter and said, how, how, do, how do you reconcile this? And then we had a conversation that was like, well, shit, like – we fucked up. I mean, we could, you could have, we forgot that, like, if you wanted to write about it, we at least needed to put in those articles, like, hey, yep. by the way, like, here's what's going on with this game. We still decided to write about it, but you need to be informed. We've done coverage. Like, there was a world yep. where we, we could have, it would have been so easy to add that paragraph. And that's one of those and, things. And we just... needed someone to remind us, like, hey, that was a blind spot. We, like, yep. we're all on the same page politically and <laughs> about all these things, but still that stuff is going to, slip through because that shit happens but then we rely on outside forces our fans like even the people that love what we do like this is something i always harp on when like people get called out on like when they say like sexist or racist shit like doesn't mean you're a bad person it means you said something sexist or racist or in this case we like overlook something that was related to a labor dispute that we should have like mentioned like doesn't mean that like we're a bad we're anti-labor bad it just means yeah. it just means we miss something and right. that in the future do well, better like, and there that's are a, there, that's there, easy there does come a time when you draw that line and you say, you know, racist, right? Like we did this recently. Right. We ran a story this past week about a hat in time. Uh, someone pointed out a thing I didn't really know, which was that John Tron was in a hat in time, uh, this, this platformer apparently. Uh, and uh, we ran a He was note pulled out of ukulele like, because of what right, happened. And right. then uh, it's been, you know, six months or whatever since he said a bunch of really like go like, racist shit. We were talking. We were we were talking about like the language you should use to describe. Like I think the distinction right, we were drawing was, was uh, like two two versions of how we could have described him was uh, John Tron, someone who has been known for uh, making racist comments, or the like known racist John Tron. And those right. are like two very different ways to label someone. So like, we this back, is a guy who's never looked our, apologized. Looked at our reporting, looked at what he said, and we're like, nah. A he right. like he had no come to Jesus moment, and that stuff he said was fucked up. Yes. He's just a racist. <laughs> right. And that's the thing is like, I don't want to, I, I, there's often the notion of like, there's a great old uh, Jay Smooth video about this. Jay Smooth, uh, the YouTube uh, creator, content creator, DJ in New York, uh, like deep hip hop history culture here. Uh, love his stuff to death. Uh, shout out to Jay Smooth. He had a video years ago that was like, don't get caught up in the, are you racist? You know, is he racist conversation? Say that thing you said was racist. Cause that's the thing that you can actually attack at. You won't get, you won't get swerved and the whole conversation won't turn into, well, I have all these black friends or like with Milo, right? Like Milo's in a relationship right. with a black man. And so like, and often uses that as cover to say, I can't be racist, but like, no, actually I want to make sure that it's clear that we can say that someone is racist. We can say that someone is 
excuse me, is sexist. Not just, not only they said a racist thing. There are times when that is, when that distinction is important and it is important to, to levy that distinction. Uh, and, and it's a judgment call. And it's a judgment call that has to be informed by reporting, by like careful observation, by dialogue internally, by, you know, conversation and, and making sure that we come to the a decision that we can stand by. Um, but it is, it is definitely an, an important one. And like, it's, it's, it's one that I, again, you got to hold us accountable when we when we do it right. You got to urge when we don't do it right. And we hope that in doing it right, we make it clear like where we stand on this stuff, because I don't want to be in a situation where something like Gamergate happens again and have people for a second worry about where we're going to be on that. You know, like when I was interviewing for this job, I sat down with my boss and the editor in chief of Vice.com, Jonathan Smith, my boss, CL. Uh, and she she said like okay so like what happens if something like Gamergate happens again tomorrow like in your vision what does Vice Gaming at the time do like what sort of thing do you do and I, I like said we'd have to hit it head on I, I I am not going to take a back seat and and try to play both sides I'm not going to try to like give a platform to to uh, uh, anyone who I think is presenting not just like uh, ideas I don't agree with but ideas that are hostile and dehumanizing. Uh, and we have to be the first loudest voices out there. Otherwise, you've, we've missed the boat. Like we've just not, we've just not paid attention to what's important and and what this space needs right now. Um, and I was like relieved for her to say like, good, like that's the exact right answer. And like even when facing the risk of being, you know, uh, a target again myself, or the risk of having people boycott or whatever, like. Those are the sorts of things where I hope I do right when it's time for that to happen again, because or when it's happening now. Right, we're having this conversation, so I hope that that's to some degree a, a proof that we're interested in in being that place and continuing to tackle this bullshit. So, Ugh. we're gonna do a short one. Instead, we did we did seventy minutes. Mm. I was supposed to hey, do a short one, very very shortly, because uh, we've already gone long. Yes. You gotta uh, with that no spoilers. Been in your Austin Walker way. Oh uh, yeah, Blade Runner. Yeah, I saw Blade Runner last night. So I wrote about Blade Runner yesterday. I've been meaning to write about Blade Runner for like two weeks because I am a big fan, and I get into that in this piece. If you go to waypointadvice.com, you can read this. Um, I get into why I went from being very like dispassionate about the Blade Runner sequel to being deeply anxious. I think the headline was um, for years I didn't care about a Blade Runner sequel. Now I'm a mess, uh, which is true. Uh, and then I went and saw it. Like, I, like almost on a whim, I messaged a friend. I was like, hey, do you want to go see Blade Runner at 7? Because I guess it's out at 7. Like, I thought it was going to be a midnight showing, but it wasn't. It was a 7 p.m. showing. So I went and I saw it. Uh, and I really liked it. Um, it is a Blade Runner movie. The tweet that I made last night was, I knew it was a true Blade Runner sequel when the dude to my right had had started snoring for the third time. Uh, it, 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 it languishes. It, lo- it like luxuriates in, in slow moving moments and quiet and open spaces and color um it's gorgeous uh it has it is you remember patrick when we talked about near uh, automata or automata uh whichever uh-huh. one you prefer we talked about how uh-huh. it wasn't doing the the 101 thing with androids it was like this second tier of thing where like yeah 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 yeah, yeah. our androids people yeah 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 we we had that conversation already we're gonna do the second level thing a lot of the big questions of Blade Runner 2049 are that big second thing or are a big Ooh. second thing. Lots of lots okay. of stuff there about about, you know, uh, intimacy, 
lots of things there about agency, um, lots of things there about where meaning comes from, like whether or not what matters to us like should be based on an objective fact or a subjective fact. Um, I liked it a lot. Uh, I think there's some stuff there that I'm really interested to hear from other people about. Uh, I really want to hear what sex workers think about this movie because it does interesting things. With, it does it does things with sex work um, that are not what I expected it to do because cyberpunk normally does one thing with sex work, which is like there are there are sex workers and they are like like I don't know like they're they're it's always just like there's background scenery they get killed and they like are a representation of how degrading the future is and it doesn't really do that it does a different thing that's really interesting but i'm holding out my personal read on on those key scenes um and there's like a bunch of stuff that i just want to read a lot of different perspectives on but as a cyberpunk film that's engaged with cyberpunk as a genre that as a genre that has a history and has a politics it does it does a thing like it is about a thing uh, it's about a bunch of things the way that good cyberpunk often is and not just it's not just flying cars and oil fields do you know what i mean the, the thing that i say again and again and again about bad, about sorry it's not just flying cars without the oil fields right it isn't just the neon signs without thinking about where the neon signs come from it's not just the sci-fi technology without thinking about what that thing reflects whether that's about the environment or about human relationship with technology or about human relationship with the, with each other or about you know politics like it, it is is very much in tune with with that part of of cyberpunk it's also just it is just gorgeous uh and gosling is really good every, every all the actors do a great job even fucking jared even, Vito, who even, i want to fucking punch in the fucking face patrick Damn. you'll never like i want to punch him in the fucking face so bad but that character is just uh. is supposed to be punchable um he's the fucking worst okay. ugh, ugh. uh you should see it he's the fucking worst and also I don't know. I don't know. There's stuff people should see it. Uh, I'm. I'm. So I need to sit with that, it. I'm going to see Vill- it. Villeneuve is that how you pronounce that guy's last Vill- name? That uh, Villeneuve. Villeneuve. Yeah. Either way, Denny. Fucking the man. All he does is hit home runs. This motherfucker's going to go make Dune next. Come on! I'm so excited about oh. that. That's going to be wild. Like he ugh. can make anything now. Just yeah. whatever. Sci-fi yeah, Renaissance. Uh, He's oh, bringing man. it in Dune, solely like... himself. That's like Dune. He's like, yeah, I'm gonna go to the South Pole now. I'm not using dogs. <laughs> yeah, dogs. But he just made a Blade Runner sequel that's like 98 on Rotten Tomatoes. So, like, blank check at this point, the fact right? That you, the fact that he made it a Blade Runner sequel and it's not like objectively disappointing and just yeah. like people are like, like I, that. Just making a competent sequel that people yes, aren't angry yes, about exactly was like an extremely high bar. And instead, it seems like he made like. As much as you could ask for for yes. a sequel that he got. Here's what the that here's the question: as, so, as someone that's a fan, uh, now you've seen both. Yeah, a sequel does exist. Like, yeah. are you glad the sequel exists? Hundred percent. Hundred percent. In, Very in happy. the sense that it's additive, or just because you enjoyed being in that world again? Uh, I, here is my hope. I can't wait. All right, so uh, Katie Katie McCarthy over at US Gamer just read a piece today that was like, here's how Blade Runner has influenced games for years. Um, I can't wait for this movie to be the next uh, cyberpunk influence on games and on culture at writ large mm. because what we've seen is like shadows of William Gibson, shadows of, of Blade Runner, shadows of the original Ghost in the Shell again and again and again and again. Um, and like even like Deus Ex, like uh, Human Revolution, which is a game I liked a lot, um, 
didn't didn't go too far off the beaten path in terms of what it was showing. Uh, even the Shadowrun games that have been very good are still very firmly connected to the core questions of what early cyberpunk works were doing. And then on top of that, there's lots of bad cyberpunk where it is just a chrome arm that like gives you as also a gun, right? There is also just a lot of bad cyberpunk, which is just like, what if we fought a bunch of robots? Um, and I'm excited for this to be a match under the stove or, you know, under the pilot light of a new breed of cyberpunk stuff to come out again. Obviously, to be clear, cyberpunk as a genre has lots of cool stuff in it that is not that stuff. Like, cyberpunk got really good. It got really queer. It got, you know, it started to be written by people of color, by women. uh, And and that stuff addresses a lot of the early problems with cyberpunk. So, like, I don't think it's a, a, a genre where it's like, everything needs to be like William Gibson or bust. Um, but I do think that I, what I'm hopeful for is that this turns to five years from now, we're all playing games that are inspired by the questions that came from this. In the same way that I'm excited for pe- for whatever people are inspired by from Nier Automata or from other games that have in the last few years, like, leveled up or... Oh, fuck off me. Um, wow. <laughs> raised the bar <laughs> in terms of, like, what they can do when it comes to, you know, a setting that has cyborgs and shit in it. You know, like, if you're going to have cyborgs and and android like just it's it, we're so far past our androids real people like we're so far past it at this point it's a soft question it's way more interesting to think like okay androids are real people now let's imagine worlds in which we complicate that further and what do you feel about this um and it is it's like so good i don't know like the, i'm not going to get into specifics but there's like a void conf test equivalent in this movie that it goes back to the thing we've said again about arbit- the kind of arbitrary nature of power and, and about how having power is often about having the ability to be arbitrary. And the original Voight Comp test, also arbitrary, also bullshit. Um, but this one is like pushed to the limit in a way that's so good. Uh, Rob, I really need you to see this. Patrick, try to find a babysitter, maybe. Or just get it on Blu-ray. It'll be out on Blu-ray <laughs> or just in four don't. months. Or just... <laughs> Just put, put the, you know, do you, crib, do you right? Kid, do, yeah, do you think my kid can make it through this movie, you know? Yeah. She's one. Oh, she's I, one. I was she's more going to suggest, like, you, if you put a lid on a crib, uh-huh. uh, baby's Re- safe, oh. right? Like, it's I, fine. It's a crib lid. I just, I just puncture, puncture some holes in that lid. Yeah. Right. Breathe, baby, breathe. Yeah, it should be good. <laughs> just drop some tubes in there with uh, milk, because all the babies, babies eat milk you know, and applesauce. You as a... As a, as a fish killer, I don't know if I'm going to necessarily take your advice, uh, Rob. <laughs> oh, didn't. Oh man, I gotta, I gotta actually tell, tell my buddy too. Like, <laughs> look, does your buddy listen to this sick? show? If your buddy listens no, to the show, no, mutual friends and learns- do. So someone's gonna be like, Doug, Zach needs in your house, killing your fucking fish. And like, I just want you to know, like Julian, I didn't kill the fish. The fish got sick, and it did not get better. And I think it had something to do with the fact that the water in the tank. Got cloudy for mysterious reasons, and uh, yeah, something went wrong in that ecosystem. There's no more better fish, and maybe I could have done better, but I did my best. Uh. Patrick, anyway, since this since this turned into an unintentional idle weekend uh, episode, and since I would love to talk about other cool, cheery things before we wrap this up, um, Patrick, what what what's cool? Like, what are you into this weekend? If you're not gonna have time for uh for Blade Runner, like what, like what are you into culturally or games wise? We haven't, you know, what are we having fun with besides reading awful BuzzFeed articles? Uh, <laughs> the article, good BuzzFeed articles depressing. about awful saying, people. Yes. articles that make you feel awful. Yes. Uh, well, so yeah. So 
Uh, October, uh, every year, uh, me and my wife for uh, for a long time um, have been doing something called Shocktober, where we come up with a list of uh, horror films, um, 31 films, and we try to watch as many of them as we can throughout the month. Um, and then maybe five years ago, I started publishing the list online, just figuring, like, you know, I help be a guide for folks that um, are interested in, in horror films. And so... Uh, earlier this week, I published the list for 2017. There's a uh, link on my Twitter uh, that goes to a Medium post. And then alongside that, uh, my wife and I are always talking about horror films. So we started recording a podcast about a year ago called Till Death Do Us Part, where uh, we, pretty much just have the con- we just have the conversation. Yeah, I-, I don't like branding things. I hate it, but I actually feel pretty good about like, naming that podcast. It's extremely good. Um, and, uh, yeah, so we, we hadn't done an article for or a podcast for about a year because <laughs> it's the exact amount of time since baby. we had our daughter. Yeah. Um, but then I set up a sort of pseudo podcast studio in um, my office, which I've been meaning to do, so that now, like, the microphones just stare at us when we, like, go past to uh, watch nice. TV at night. And hopefully oh, that's a really good us, horror setup. Um, guilts us into uh, recording. Uh, yeah, our our horror is not having enough free time to to record a podcast about horror movies. Um, <laughs> so we did one uh, talking about it, uh, uh, Gerald's Game, uh, which is a adaptation of a one of like Stephen King's weakest books, but is actually mm. turned into um, a really strong uh, film because they reinterpret the story. And the reason it's weak is because. It's largely a, a like rehash of Carrie. Um, it's the same premise of someone strapped to a bed and what do they do to survive? Um, but right. it's directed by Mike Flanagan, who did a great movie called Hush that's also on Netflix. Um, he also did an underrated movie called Oculus. Um, uh, we talked about, uh, what was the third movie? Oh, uh, an awful uh, uh, survival movie called Killing Ground in which they deeply exploit the uh, a small child who is definitely the same age as our kid in a way oh, that Jesus it's impossible Christ. to tell uh. are they are they exploiting putting a child in danger and in harm like when you become a parent or this is true for anything like any like sort of like personal like attachment or trauma that like comes up when you watch films and this is not exclusive to horror it's hard to tell are you having the reaction you're having because you have a personal attachment to that right. or are they exploiting the ability, like, so for example, in horror, uh, they viciously exploit um, uh, uh, rape and uh, yeah. and other forms of sexual assault, not in a way that's like, uh, they do it because it's easy and it's shocking, not because they're making a point. And so like, that's, they're, sometimes they're hard to tell. They're exploring an issue. <laughs> right, right. And it's sometimes hard to tell when you watch any sort of, uh, 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 of story, but definitely in horror, it's like, am I having this reaction because, like, they're actually exploiting it, or am I having this reaction because I'm a parent and I can't, like, separate my emotions? Uh, so then, yeah, we, we talked through those uh, movies, and then uh, we ba- we made our list live on the podcast. It was, like, we, we both brought a bunch of movies and then came up with 31 movies for people to watch if they're interested. It's a mixture of, like, stuff that's coming out in theaters, uh, stuff that is uh, available on streaming services, old stuff, new stuff. So, and hopefully a bunch of things that, uh, if you're like us, where we've seen everything. You know, so we have to really kind of dig the bottom of the barrel to, to try and find new stuff. Um, hopefully you'll find some stuff that you've never heard of before. So Rad. Where can I'd people find to. out? Is there like a quicker link for people to find that? Is there a, just getting as on iTunes? Uh, yeah, you can find the podcast on iTunes under Till Death Was Part. Uh, or you can uh, uh, Till Death Podcast at uh, or dot simplecast.fm. And then, yeah, if you just scroll past on my Twitter feed, I should probably just make it my, make it my pin tweet. Make it your pin tweet um, for the month, maybe. Yeah. Good call. Yeah, I'll do. I'll do that right now. So my pin tweet will be the the Shocktober list. So rad, Rob. What about you? Are you I playing got, anything? I, I got a little game I want to talk about. 
Uh-oh. And I'll tell you straight up, could be problematic, but we'll see. We'll get into this. The game is called Affliction, Salem 1692. Okay. And it's developed by uh, 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 Dan uh, Hundix, and uh, it's got some great art by uh, Lasan Lake. And it is a worker placement board game about the Salem witch trials. Okay. I love to place cubes down on, on things representing people who are then traumatized and killed. Yeah. Uh, it's it's real good uh, because like it is basically the games the game portrays it as like look this is a small town horror story of like people using superstition and religion to carry out like social vendettas against each other uh, to steal property uh, from people that, that they viewed as like social rivals uh, and then the mechanics are all about like the almost like viral spread of fear and paranoia in a community. Uh, And so like to a degree, it's like a strategy game where like you represent one of the families that's involved in this and your goal is to protect your own. But then also you've got people you have grudges against and you want to arrest them for being witches. Um, But the every character has like special abilities. Uh, every other player has their own family that they're sort of trying to protect. Uh, and then there's a lot of uh, neutral cards. And they're like, what is going on is definitely gross, but it's gross in the way that like, uh, not not quite the crucible, but I guess um, oh god, I think there was a. Fritz Long movie called like Fury or something, which is about like a uh, you know a, a, like how a small town lynch mob uh, ends up right. forming. Uh, it's it's just it's about like the pettiness and jealousy of that can exist within a community and otherwise adult community, and then the way that like you know certain beliefs can just be weaponized against other members of that community. And the the, re- the cool thing I really like is there's both direct actions that you can take against other characters. So you can like levy accusations. Uh, you can use social influence to recruit uh, characters to your, uh, to your social circle. Uh, but then there's also a sort of collective mechanic, uh, which is like fear that, if one person is generating fear tokens, so what fear tokens do is they basically disable other characters in the game. So like if like people are afraid of this person in the community, they lose all their social power, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're not in jail yet, but they no longer they're no longer like viable. Uh, they're no longer like a viable unit uh, to use. If you're just generating fear for your like by yourself and trying to target people down, it's not going to do anything. There's there's too many ways for other players to, to clear it away. But a lot of players can generate a lot of fear and target down the leading family and just sort of like spam it and create like, and it's this weird, like you're playing the game and it's like, oh shit, this is some like really awful, like this is some witch hunt shit uh, that's going on is just, you are like, everyone's seeing what this one person has and they're doing pretty well. Let's, you know, it's torches and pitchforks time, pitchfork time. Uh, let, let's go for it. It's a, uh, it's it's an interesting board game and a and a very uh, seasonal one here in New England, uh, I suppose. But uh, time for the witch hunts. 
yeah uh it's it, it, look it's now a tourist location uh so yeah it's a really interesting uh board game way more interesting than i thought it was going to be like i thought it was just going to be a you know thin theme on uh you know a pretty bog standard worker placement game right there's more going on and uh i i really really dig it it's there's some gross elements but you know it's it's gross material uh good it, luck it, it's uh, telling right. it Good luck ostracizing uh, a tenth of the population uh, from your city yeah. and from your, your your town. I hope that they live well out in the wild. Uh, hopefully they are witches, and then maybe they'll be able to survive. That'll be good. <laughs> uh, I got nothing. I'm we don't know what would have happened if we hadn't hunted witches in Massachusetts. Like, who knows, right? The whole world would be different. That's actually where we needed to first. If we wanted Trump not to be elected, we have to go back to the witch hunt. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we uh i got nothing i got what i got is i'm gonna wait around tomorrow until this person from unnamed telecom company shows up and fixes my fucking internet remember that conversation an hour and a half ago that we had yeah what is time all right we should go i don't i don't have anything fun this weekend all right maybe i'll peace i don't peace <laughs> Fuck it, that's too quick i'm austin walker you can find me on twitter at austin underscore walker where can people find you rob or be good at it Oh my fucking god, it was not even or be good at it now. Patrick. Patrick. Thanks to Bowen for letting us use his track, Miss You, off the EP Pale Machine. Waypoint.zone slash B-O-E-N. You can find Patrick Klepik at Patrick Klepik and Rob Zachney at Rob, Rob Zachney. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash waypoint, facebook.com slash waypoint vice, waypoint.zone. Also, we'll take you to our website. Uh, what else? Discourse.zone. What do we say to Austin? (laughs) Someone wrote in. This is actually a thing. Someone wrote in to be like, Austin, why do you say be good and be good at it when Danielle's not here? That's her thing. And the thing that they said that I didn't know was that Danielle started saying that because she felt like she couldn't say peace when she was hosting. Correct. Because it's my thing. Peace is not my thing. Peace is our thing. Peace is a thing I want us to be able to do. All of us. Except Rob Zachney. (laughs) Be good and be good at it. Peace. Peace? Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.